I was on Twitter this week or last week, I forget when it was, and I don't even know if it's called Twitter anymore, I think it's called X or something like that, but uh, I saw a Babylon Bee posting, if you don't know what that is, that's like a satire website, um, satire meaning like they, they kind of sarcastically make jokes about current conditions and things going on in culture, and it's just got a, a twist of humor on it, although a bit of reality, and um, they're always kind of funny, and, and so I saw this one. And it said this, it said, and again, this is satire, it said 92% of Christians uh, live according to the Bible unless it goes against mainstream uh, cultural Christianity. <laughs> it's like, and you're like, ha ha, that's hilarious and almost true. <laughs> Until somebody went into the comment section and posted an actual survey that was done at a Christian school uh, is in Texas. I know that. I went back to try to figure out where it was. Um, but they posted an, uh, a study that they did. And it was a small study among like 300 people. But ages 18 to 30 years old. And they did a study among them. And those young people, the 18 to 30 year olds, said that they believe and they try to live and follow the Bible unless it contradicts progressive American Christian values. Like, Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Are there different sets of Christian values? I thought there was one. The word of God. Are you with me? If we're just picking and choosing and deciding what parts of it we want to follow, what the heck are we even doing? We say, oh, I want to follow God and I believe what he says and he's got a plan for me. But not if I have to stand up for it in Christian culture and in American culture. It's like, I like this part, I like this part, but I am, I'm definitely not going to be somebody who stands up in the, in, the, in the world that I'm living. Are you with me today? Um, I was in a coaches meeting this week. I'm coaching third and fourth football, uh, grade football. And uh, we're at the coaches meeting. Some of the parents are there. And one of the parents says to me, um, oh, boy, my son, he just loves playing football. He just loves playing football, uh, but he doesn't like getting tackled or taken to the ground. <laughs> and I was like... Um, okay, your son doesn't like football. <laughs> he just loves playing football, except for the tackling and the falling on the ground part. And I thought, that's kind of the church. That's what I'm talking about. But we love God, and we want God's best for our life, and we like all this kind of stuff. But we don't like most of this stuff that actually makes up being a Christ follower conviction of sin and change and sacrifice and loving our neighbor and all the things that it takes to actually be who God called us to be are with me today uh, when I was growing up we used to say this to each other maybe some people still do uh, but it was kind of an insult that we would say about each other we would you somebody would would be like wearing skater stuff and you would be like like, do you skate? And they'd be like, no, I don't skate. Like, you poser. You're such a poser. Or basketball stuff. Like, oh, do you, you play? Look at that. You got all that stuff. You play back. No, I don't. Oh, what a poser. And we would think it'd be like real lame for somebody to be a poser because hypocrites are annoying, right? Like, how frustrating is it when you think you can count on somebody or depend on somebody? You think there's this kind of thing. But then really, once you get to know them or you have experience with them, they're actually this over here. They were a hypocrite the whole time. What a waste of time. What a, what, a, what a thing. And we cannot be that as a church. Are you with me? There's this old preacher's story about this guy named Mr. Peace. Mr. Peace was a notorious gangster in all of England. He covered all of England with his crimes. Nobody killed or robbed or destroyed more lives than this guy named Mr. Peace. He finally got caught and sentenced, and his sentence was to death. And so the time came as he was awaiting for the electric chair and in, in his termination of his life, he remembers the moment where he heard 
the guards were coming. He heard their footsteps. He heard their keys clanging. He heard them on their way. And before he made it to the electric chair, they said, okay, before uh, you are executed, we're going to give you a preacher. So here's the preacher. And this preacher shows up and the preacher comes in with a Bible. And he begins to explain to Mr. Peace that there's this place called heaven. And before you face eternity, I want to let you know about this place called heaven. And it has these pearly gates that are amazing and these crystal clear rivers and streams. And it has golden streets and there's no death. There's no pain. There's no crying. There's no sorrow. There's this amazing place called heaven. But there's also this place called hell, he begins to tell Mr. Peace, that there's descriptions of this place called hell that are just so unbelievably torturous that you would want nothing to do with this place called hell. We see in scripture, the preachers telling Mr. Peace that there's this one moment where Lazarus is in hell and he's so thirsty. He says, all I wish for is just for someone to dip their finger in water and let that touch my tongue. That's how thirsty I am because this place is torturous. It talks about how people gnaw on their tongues just to quench the pain of the fire and all the other things that they're experiencing. We know it talks about hell as being a place that feels like you're free falling forever. A place that is a place of gnashing of teeth and screaming. It's the most torturous place I could continue to describe what the Bible says and other people's experience of hell. And I believe that's a real place today. But the preacher, he's beginning to tell Mr. Peace all about this and how before he goes into eternity, he's going to have one of those two places. And Mr. Peace, he takes a look at the electric chair while bound at this point in his straight jacket, he slams the preacher up against the wall. And he says, do you really believe that? And the preacher says, sort of, I guess. I mean, I've experienced some of it, I suppose so. And Mr. Peace throws him on the ground and says, that's pathetic. He said, from high in the north to low in the south of England, if the road was jagged bone, broken glass, and I was chained on my hands and feet, upon my hands and knees, I would crawl to save one place in, one person from that place you called hell. And you say, I suppose so? And Mr. Peace turned around and put himself in the electric chair and faced an eternity in hell because a preacher was a poser and just answered with a, I suppose so? Kinda, maybe. He was a poser. He was a hypocrite. He wasn't the real deal. And the, the question gets posed to us too. Are you really a Christ follower? Are you really somebody who's sold out? Are you somebody who worships him in spirit and in truth? The scripture says we're called to love God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind, with everything that we have, we're called to love and follow God. Or are we the same thing? I sorta I believe so. The greatest measure of your pursuit or your truth is in your actions. If we were to take a look at your calendar, does your calendar represent a life that's following God? Or does your calendar represent somebody who sort of, kind of follows God? Maybe. Or are we posers? Does our sacrificial living, does the way that we consider and prefer one another, is, is, is that sort of maybe? Or are we devoted with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength? The way that we let God's words change us and develop us and, 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 and motivate us. Is that sort of, kind of, are we a poser or are we with all our heart? Yeah. John 4.23 says it this way. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yeah. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Yeah. Yeah. Our Heavenly Father is not looking for posers. Yeah. 
He's not looking for people to just come in and play the games and go through the motions. He says, where's the true worshipers? Verse 24 says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. This meaning truth here is truth is when you are who you say you are. You are who you say you are. I want to kind of pause this sermon and say, listen, I'm not talking about some level of perfection. That's not what this is talking about at all. It's like, you better live a perfect life. You better have it all together or you're some kind of poser. But to worship God in spirit and truth is saying, God, I mean it and I want it. And I may not be where I want to be, but I'm trying to get there with all of my heart. Spirit and in truth. The world is tired of poser Christians. The world is hurting and broken and being lied to and being deceived. And they drive by church buildings and the sign says, oh, welcome here. This is a place where we can love you and make a connection and God's got the best for you. And they take their broken, messed up, hurting selves into these places only to find judgment and accusations and and rejection. They show up into small groups and people say, oh my God, don't bring that mess up in here. I got, I, I got to get filled. I need my own fix in here. I'm not here about your mess. Get, are you with me today? Yeah. Scripture says we're called to love our neighbor. Let's love our neighbor in spirit and in truth. Let's not be posers about how we love people. Let's love our neighbor in spirit and truth. But in your neighborhood, people are like, oh, don't go tell Christian Betty over there because, you know, if you tell her, the whole neighborhood's going to go because you're the gossiper in the neighborhood. Yeah. We're supposed to be people who love our neighbor. We're called to lay down our lives, take up our cross, be people who are giving and generous. But we filter everything through our selfish, well, how does that work for me? Does that fit into that? Well, sort of, maybe. Does it fit into here? God's called us to be humble and walk in humility. The scripture says that those that walk in humility, the scripture says that he'll exalt those. He'll lift them up as we walk in humility. But when we don't get things the way we want them, we throw fits and hold temper tantrums. Am I telling the truth today? Yeah, I, I told you it would be one that was like a little yeah. purity. God's called us in spirit and truth to come out and be righteous, the scripture says. Let us come out from among the world. Let's come out and be righteous. But if outside of Sunday we live just like the world does, talk like they do, listen to what they do, participate what they do, live just like what they do, what's happened to purity, spirit and truth? Yeah. And you guys know me. I'm not saying we got to live on Christian television. Thank God. (laughs) But I'm saying there ought to be something different about you. The world ought to be able to look at you and say, hey, what's going on with you? Cody was talking about the fruits of the spirit. I think that was first service. But there's things in our life like, hey, what's different about you? With our worship, we have this opportunity on a Sunday morning. Think about this. You have an opportunity on a Sunday morning to come in. The beginning of your week, you have the opportunity to come in. It's not just them playing four songs for you. It's not them playing four songs. It's our opportunity to come, our opportunity to come in and in spirit and in truth worship and give God our best and set our attention on the one who's created it. And are you with me? Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're not in spirit and truth, so we just kind of start looking around. It's like, oh man, you know, like what songs are we going to sing? What graphics are? I don't like how loud that is. I don't like how bright that is. That's too smoky. Why don't they let Dave do more solos? I bet he would kill some solos. <laughs> how, how how does Mo make bass look so good? What the heck are those shoes Cody's wearing? What are those? They're so red. And we get caught up in all these other things. I'm just grateful he's wearing shoes. Normally during the week, he's up here with no shoes. He walks to work and has no shoes. I'm like, did you get kicked out, bro? Just tell us. This is a safe space. Do you live under that tree in the park? (laughs) But we... 
We, we get caught up in all this crazy stuff. We come in, we have this opportunity at the beginning of our week to set our eyes. I believe in these last days, we have got to put worship back at the forefront of everything. Yeah. You've heard me say this before. We have this opportunity to prophesy and declare and decree over our lives. You get to do that over your week. Every single Sunday morning, we get to come in here. And we let ourselves get caught up on so many other things. We need to be spirit and truth. For four songs, we get to come in. And if you want to use the, the words as, as motivation, that's great. But if you want to come in here and set your eyes yourself on what God is and who he is in your life. We have this opportunity at the beginning of the week. God, who created everything, is right here in front of you to worship. Then the same God who sent his perfect son to die for our salvation is right here ready to receive our worship and adoration. And he's also the same God, the scripture said, who's going to be coming back. And can I tell you, he's not coming back limp-wristed like, hey, if you guys don't mind, I kind of want to set the earth back in order. No, he's coming back in power and authority, and he's going to handle the demons and the devil for the last time. How many are with me? And that's who we get to come back. That's who we get to come in every Sunday. We get to, in spirit and truth, set our hearts on and worship and adore. Wow, but it's so long, 40 minutes. I got to stand for 40 minutes and worship God who saved me from hell. And by the way, he can hear you when you say that. 40 minutes, it's just too long of worship. That guy just needs to zip it up and let pastor preach. He can hear you say that. Didn't we just, didn't we just worship? Isn't he worthy of it all anyway? 40 minutes ought to be 40 hours and then another 40 because he's worthy of it all spirit and truth kind of people is what I'm talking about are you with me that's why Revelation 3.15 says it like this this is a rebuke of the church of Laodicea I can't get into their whole culture but it says this it said, as much as it was a letter for this church it's a letter for our church it's a letter for our own lives but it says this I know your deeds God knows what we're up to. He's, he knows where we're at, our condition. He says, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, right? Because posers are losers. It's annoying. Hypocrites. Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So that's usually where the church stops, right? Pastor gets up and preaches like, you can't be lukewarm. You got to be hot or cold. But this actually gets even more zeroed in on our lives. It says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. That's all of us Americans, like look how good I'm doing. I'm so blessed, look at I got it all together. I got that education, then I got married and then we got the picket fences. Look how rich, we're doing so good. Look how blessed we are, look how good we're doing. But it says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, See, I'm a nice preacher. I don't talk like that. You guys are all mad at me, and I don't say half of that stuff. I do it in my secret third service to myself. It says you're wretched, pitiful, poor. It says blind. Blind meaning you don't have a clue. You can't even see it. I'm doing so good, my little blessed life, and my Christian bumper sticker. Look how good we're doing. I don't worship in spirit and truth. I'm just going through the motions. You're blind. You don't even see it. You don't have a clue. It says in naked, which means exposed. Like you're exposed. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Our lives need to be refined in the fire. 
saying every relationship, every thought, every decision, every habit, scripture saying this all needs to go be refined in me. Let me purify this as gold. Then it says, so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, salve or ointment, which means salvation, to put over your eyes so you can see, verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Those who are victorious, I will give the right to sit with me at my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father at his throne. It's saying this, those who aren't posers, those who aren't fakers, those who actually worship in spirit and truth and with commitment, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, those ones that make it victoriously, I got a place for them. I got a place for them. But the hypocrite, the poser, the one going through the motions, the faker, they're not going to make it to the end. And God is looking for some people that he can raise up in this hour to make it to the end. Can I get an amen? amen. Whoever has the ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Everybody in here probably has ears. So I'm not talking about like, oh, if you got, if you got ears, you're good. No, it's talking about if you have the ears that have a desire to dial in in spirit and in truth. I'm old, I'm 40, so I remember back in the day. Back in the day radios, they worked like this. You had to turn the knob, remember this? It was tricky. It's like, turn, turn, no, 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 too far, go back, back, back. No, that's too far back this way. And then someone will walk by and block it and you'd be like, get out of here. And you had to dial, that's what it's talking about. Those who, those who have dialed it in, those that have the desire, the ears to say, God, I want to hear what you're saying in spirit and truth. I don't want to come in and just go through motions and play Christian. I'm too blessed to be stressed. God bless you and blah, blah, blah. No, no. Who's the spirit and truth people that have the ears to hear what God is saying in this hour? Dialing it in, saying, I'm not going through motions. I'm actually coming in here. I'm dialing it in. I want to dial this in. Those are the ones. I'll close with this. There's another story of some posers. And uh, Acts chapter 19 gives us this story. It's pretty fun. Acts 19 verse 11 says this. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. The Bible's full of miracles. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, how many you know the church should be full of miracles? I don't know why people keep preaching that miracles were just part of the back. God's desire is for us to walk in the miraculous. Verse 12. So much so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him, speaking of Paul, they were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and their evil spirits left them. Again, God just saying, look, this is how much I want healings and signs and wonders to break out in communities that even stuff that the anointed touched went and healed people. I'm believing for more of that these days. Verse 13 says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Seva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who is this poser? You hypocrite, you player, trying to just play this game, go through the motions, try to have all the fruit and the return and the blessing, but you're not connected in spirit and truth. You have no authority in this. Who is this? Trying to do this. 
verse 16, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I wish Netflix would pick up these kind of documentaries. <laughs> we don't need any more Bethlehem and Moses parting the sea. This is the kind of stuff we need a Netflix special on. Here's what happened. They were posers. They were players. They were fakers. And the world dumped them. This church will never, this church, any church, will never be in the place of influence it needs to be in in our communities if we're posers and we're playing games. We will be thumped by the world every single time. Why are we losing our schools? Why do we lose in our government? Why are we losing all the different kind of things to the cultures of this world? Too many posers in pulpits, too many posers in pews, and we're getting thumped by the world. Am I telling the truth today? But not in this house. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. We're not going to show up in these communities and say, well... You know, Paul, and I saw this pastor do it before me and this pastor. And then the spirits of our time go, who are you? Throne room people. Presence of God people is what we need. Those are power-filled people. Here's why it didn't work for these guys. They wanted the power of God without the presence of God. They didn't spend time in the presence. They didn't spend time with the Father. So they didn't have the power. They wanted the provisions of God, the results of God. But they didn't have proximity with God. They didn't spend time with God. They weren't spirit in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to distract you? Like everything. Our, our, <coughs> our doorbell freaking gives us notifications now. Put a little ring doorbell on there and my cat. Oh, mittens going by again. Oh, mittens going by. I'm over here trying to pray and ring doorbell alert, ring doorbell alert. Then once the afternoon shows up, Amazon package, Amazon package, Amazon package. Like, Jeez, Jess. <laughs> and then I'm like, can you bring my boxes inside? <laughs> Why is getting you so distracted? If you're so distracted, it's hard to be spirit and truth and presence of God and proximity to God kind of people if you're pulled all over the place, right? got to get back to this one thing. This is our one thing. I want him to be our one thing, right? And then we'll see God move in the way that he's supposed to or wants to, not supposed to, wants to, because that's his desire. This, this is his desire to show up in many mighty miraculous ways, but we got to create those spaces for him to do it. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. So grateful for today, the way that you love us and lead us. God, we thank you for this word. We are a people who don't want to be posers. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to go through the motions, but God, we want all of you. God, help us be a presence people, a proximity people to you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.